self-esteem is very fragile and there are so many insecurities that come up for people in the workplace. And if we have any doubts about our skills or capabilities, it can really hinder us and keep us from pushing forward in our careers. So there's a lot of work to be done there. There's work to be done to really focus on boosting confidence rather than going to a space of automatic blame or like this place is terrible or this isn't the right fit. That might be the case some of the time, but I do think that, you know, we always have some sort of work that we can also do within that. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. I have a theory that when things get hard at work, whether it's because we have a ton of work to do or maybe the work itself is really hard or maybe we're having troubles relating to the people around us and our coworkers, when things get difficult, A lot of times, it's not just the difficult thing itself, but there are also feelings underneath that can sometimes magnify the situation and make it feel even bigger and harder and scarier and more frustrating than it actually is. A lot of the times beneath the surface, we might have fears that we're not good enough. We might be anxious or afraid that we're going to fail at something. We might be afraid that there's a skill or something that we're not good enough at for our jobs. And all of these things can compound together. And then we run into an obstacle or a wall or a tough situation. And we can start feeling very negative and very stuck. And that's why I was so excited to have a conversation with today's guest, Risha London Nathan a licensed clinical social worker and therapist who works with many female clients through some of the negative feelings that can come up in life and in work. And in this conversation, I talked with Risha all about the work that she does and why sometimes we find ourselves in these dark situations at work and why we find ourselves feeling like we can't speak our minds and say what we really want or we're getting stuck in cycles of perfectionism, or we're being very self-critical and anxious, or we're feeling like we're soaking up everybody's energy at work and we have nothing left for ourselves. All of these things are things that Risha has deep expertise in from the perspective of a therapist and things that she's helped her clients move through in their careers and in their lives. I am super excited to bring you this conversation If you enjoyed the interview with Courtney Clifford about negative feelings at work, you will love this one. It takes that same idea and we get at it from different angles and go a little bit deeper in some areas. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Hope you find it helpful and I'll catch you at the end. So the first question I wanted to ask you was to introduce yourself to listeners and give us the 30,000 foot view of your career path. Yeah, sure. My name is Risha London-Nathan, and I'm an LCSW. It's a licensed clinical social worker. So I'm a therapist licensed here in New York, and I also am actually licensed in California as well. And I work remotely with people who aren't in the area, but would prefer to um you know, speak with someone who maybe has some coaching background, but is also a licensed therapist. Um, And just to kind of give you a little bit of history, um, I was actually born at home in a very, very small rural town in Massachusetts. And, you know, my parents were very much into kind of living off the land. And my mom was very interested in herbs and Um, holistic healing and growing our own food and those kinds of things. So that sort of laid a little bit of a foundation for me in terms of being interested in health and wellness going forward. And, you know, as a kid, I was like, 
you know, pretty average sort of silly kind of confident outgoing kind of a kid. But as I started getting a little bit older, I remember all these places where I just started to get really embarrassed about who I was and start kind of piling up all this shame and all this discomfort and feel like I needed to start hiding some parts of myself. So that started really young for me. And part of it was that, you know, we were just kind of a little bit of a family that was sort of like outside of the norm, just in the way that my parents were raising us. And also just people were constantly questioning like our ethnicity and our cultural background and my name and all of these things. So, you know, I really started to build up kind of a wall around myself with that stuff really early and started to feel a lot of insecurity and really quickly kind of became a kid who was just holding back a lot. I didn't feel like I really had a strong voice in any space. I kind of hid behind my mom a lot. And I think it, you know, those insecurities really just took me out of who I was Uh, in my most authentic state as a little kid. And then as I got older, um, as a teenager, I think those insecurities just became bigger and bigger. So uh, it wasn't until really much later on that I decided that I wanted to be a therapist. But I do think that this stuff had quite an impact on me and really played a big part in me sort of developing this skill of, you know, being a good listener for people and really trying to provide a space that feels safe and comfortable and welcoming. And then after, after I went to grad school and became a therapist, I sort of incorporated some more nutrition and holistic health in with that, because I really started to feel like, you know, we're doing all of these things to separate our body from our mind and to separate our body into all these parts. And the more we're disconnecting all of these things, the less people are healing and getting better and feeling well and, you know, connecting to themselves and connecting to other people. So, you know, I really started to feel like, okay, I just, I want to look at people as humans who are, you know, having a human experience, we're living a very flawed experience in the world who have human bodies and to just help people start to normalize those emotions so that, you know, they would be able to work through them and connect more to their bodies and work through physical things that were coming up. So that's kind of how I've gotten to where I am now. One thing that you've mentioned that you see come up a lot in your practice and particularly I think around working with women is sort of similar to the transformation that you went through which is going through that process of self-acceptance and then in that coming to a point where a person becomes comfortable taking up space and expressing themselves authentically and so I wanted to ask you what what does what does it mean? What does it mean to take up space? What does it mean to express oneself authentically? Because that's really going to be so central to what we dig into today. For me, it means really learning how to identify and express feelings from an authentic place so that someone feels like they're able to have a strong voice in whatever space they enter into. So you know, for someone to get to the point where they're really clearly able to ask for what they want, or what they need, and have those needs met, or, you know, at least be in a really healthy emotional place that will allow them to have, you know, some sort of healthy negotiation of those needs. So it's not like you're always going to get everything you want and need. But when you're not in a healthy space, if someone pushes back against something you're asking for, it can really quickly devolve and become a disaster. But if you're in a really good place for yourself, then you're able to feel confident in taking up that space in pursuing what you want, and then being able to handle it really well, if you don't always get those needs met. So it's not demanding, it's not super emotional. It's not 
attached to outcomes. It's just really clear, really authentic. And it's coming from a place of confidence. Absolutely. And I want to normalize a little bit the experience of struggling to ask for what someone needs or to make a request or an ask or to say something that feels not confrontational, even even lighter than that. I think it can be hard for people. And I think sometimes people will assume they're the only one that's afraid and everyone else is just able to ask these things and be themselves. And I would love to hear what you've seen just working with people, particularly, you know, ambitious women who who are wanting to do well in their lives and their careers. What kind of challenge or struggle you've seen around that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is such a common theme um, in my practice, in my friends, in family. And it really is so hard for people to, one, get really clear on what their feelings are. So to sort of be able to separate out something that feels kind of overly emotional and just kind of really messy from what the actual feelings are and get really clear on that and then be able to ask someone is is really hard for people. You know, there's there's so much fear of rejection. There's so much embarrassment and discomfort that comes up for people in just saying really clearly what's going on or what they need, especially for women. You know, sometimes I'll give this example to clients of, you know, what happens if you're in a group of people and let's say everyone's like, hey, we're going out for pizza, you know, here's the place, let's all meet there, whatever. And, you know, you had pizza two hours ago, and you definitely don't want pizza again. But you're so uncomfortable with just saying that and having to deal with whatever the reaction is that you're just going to go and eat the pizza. And, you know, that's a silly example, but people do stuff like that all the time where they're kind of accommodating someone else's needs or what they perceive someone else's needs to be rather than, you know, owning where they're at and saying that and feeling confident that they can handle whatever comes back at them. So, you know, a lot of the work is sort of reinforcing that as you build confidence, then you just put whatever you need out there and whatever comes back at you, you deal with. So if you have to have an uncomfortable conversation with someone because of what they come back at you with, that's okay. You can handle that, but that's better than you just holding these emotions and feelings and needs and wants in all the time. Yeah. And and also, I think when you overlay a work context onto all of this, it can make it even more complicated because it's not just advocating for your needs, you know, like in a social situation, but then there are power dynamics at play. And there are all these things that you have to think about. And I'd be curious to get your point of view on that and and how you've advised people to navigate that and kind of how you've seen women step into being able to do that in a work environment or professionally in their careers? Yeah, I mean, I I think that that does certainly add a whole other layer and it's complicated. And I think that, you know, to me, there, there is no situation that doesn't have some amount of negotiation or some amount of improvement that can be made. And I think it's it's obviously really important for people to work in a space where they feel like they can thrive and grow. And obviously, unfortunately, this isn't always possible. There are a lot of people who have jobs that are not ideal for them. But, you know, I think that you're it's not likely that you're going to find someone who really quickly shifts out of a power dynamic where they want to kind of hold themselves above you or be keeping you down in some way. So you have to carefully navigate that um, and find maybe a little space where you could bring some defenses down. So maybe you end up having to give someone a little bit more of an ego boost or an extra level of understanding that so that then they are a little bit more open to hearing you. And, you know, I think that expressing your needs in some kind of a way can 
can work in any situation. So maybe it's not going to start out as a conversation where you're speaking up about everything or you're asking for everything you want and need. But I think there can be some slow gains that are made. And I think also there's always space to sort of look at, well, who am I in this equation? Am I my best self and everyone else is terrible? You know, am I communicating really well? Am I being super triggered by stuff that's coming up? So what is your role within that? Because you only have control over your own behavior, your own words, your own actions, your own feelings. You can't control anyone else. So you have to kind of look at all of those pieces. I think that's such a helpful piece of advice because I think something that can happen so easily, you know, when you you get the assignment and you know you don't have the capacity or some kind of situation comes up and you're feeling that either you know it's not going to be the right thing for you and you're either going to suck it up and do it or you are thinking about saying something and that's making you nervous. But I think at that moment when that happens, it can be so easy to get stuck and start looping in your head and forget about all the things you just mentioned. Forget about like, how can I build rapport with this person to try to work through this? And what is really going on here? And what are the dynamics? And it becomes like this narrow focal point of like, oh, no, this thing. And I think like that stepping back is is so important. I think it's a leadership skill, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's something that we all need. You know, this isn't just particular to women, or it isn't particular to one career or one type of person or whatever. This is all of us. You know, we all we all need to be taking action on this stuff and work on these things so that we can enter into a space and feel like, okay, regardless of what's going on there, I, I know that I'm taking a good version of myself into the room. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just going to ask you about self-esteem and self-confidence because I believe it's holistic. I believe that the person that we are when we walk into work is the same person that we are. We're human. And I would love to hear your thoughts on the role that our self-image plays in all of this. I mean, I agree. I think it plays a huge role. Um, You know, for one, even a really confident person would struggle in an environment where they don't feel welcome or they don't feel supported. So, you know, obviously your self-esteem and self-worth is going to go down if you're in that kind of a space. But, you know, there are some people who would also say, well, if you are attracted to that kind of space and you get a job in that kind of space, your your self-worth and your self-confidence probably isn't that high to begin with, right? But, you know, it can also really be a barrier to people moving forward. Because if you're in a space where you don't feel respected, or you don't feel like your ideas are looked at as something that people would take seriously, and you don't feel comfortable speaking up at all, it's it's really hard to move forward. And once there's any sort of a rupture in safety, whether it's physical or emotional or whatever, and you feel any sort of decline in your self-esteem, it can be really tough to figure out a way back up from that. Self-esteem is very fragile, and there are so many insecurities that come up for people in the workplace. I think most of us are still really trying to figure out what it really looks like to have authority in the workplace, especially as women. And if we have any doubts about our skills or capabilities, it can really hinder us and keep us from pushing forward in our careers. So there's a lot of work to be done there. There's work to be done on your own so that you're kind of breaking that stuff down and really owning where you're at and Owning the fact that, you know, maybe there are certain skills that you have and you're really good at, and maybe there's stuff that you're questioning because you're not great at it and you need some more education and it's uncomfortable to ask for that or whatever it is for you. Um, And to really focus on boosting confidence rather than going to a space of automatic blame or like this place is terrible or this isn't the right fit. That might be the case some of the time, but I do think that, you know, we always have some sort of work that we can also do within that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's so important that you 
you talked about what is underlying it because so often it's like you see this thing on the surface and you're thinking like, oh, like I'm stressed about this thing or, you know, I need to push back, but I'm afraid to do it. I'm afraid to have this conversation. And I think that point you made about confidence and like, is there a fear lurking beneath that? Like, oh, well, I'm bad at something. And and there are these thoughts swirling around that you might not even be aware of. And and I, I really think for so many women, especially ones who are perfectionists or very high achieving or type A, no one's good at everything. We all have things we're bad at. And I think that can really cause enormous amounts of anxiety, sometimes without us even being aware. Yes, because I think it comes out in such different ways for different people. And everybody has different ways of coping with stuff. So yeah, insecurity might look really different from person to person. So it's up to you to check in with yourself and kind of own where you're at and be okay with that and know that the more you own it, the more you'll be able to work through it and get to a better place. Absolutely. And one thing that I would want to share with people from the perspective of someone in a work setting, this is this has been my experience and my belief is you don't have to be good at everything. The people who really excel, in my opinion, professionally, are the people who are very aware of what they're not good at and make calculated decisions of how to work around that, whether it's through supplementing it in some way or when they get more senior, it's through hiring people that they know are going to be able to fill in those areas where they're not as strong. I think part of the fear underlying it is if well, if I'm not good at this thing, it's going to doom me and I'm going to be stuck forever And I think just from the perspective of someone who's in the professional world and who has experienced that line of thinking, it's it's untrue. I I think it's completely untrue. And I, I think it's it's so helpful that you're kind of illuminating this fact that like you feel a certain way, you're feeling uncomfortable, you're feeling stressed out, but just step back and examine your relationship with yourself and see if there's something there beneath the surface. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. And I think the more we can really check in, the more we are connected to ourselves and our bodies, the better we're going to be for everyone. The more connected we're going to be to other people too, the more compassion we're going to have, the more empathy we're going to have. But when you're disconnected from owning where you're at, you lose all of that. Absolutely. And and one thing that I think we can highlight here too is it's not only the negative. Like I think sometimes when we're disconnected, we're disconnected from everything. So this isn't to say like when frictions come up at work or you're feeling anxious about something, it's because you have these like flaws and and that's the reason and you're bad and wrong. I think we also stop seeing the positive in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really holds you back from everything. So yeah. And you know, and then people get into this spiral of thinking so poorly of themselves that then it becomes even harder to move forward or take action or make whatever changes are needed. Are there any tools or anything that you recommend to help people gain some perspective? And I'm thinking particularly too, like in those moments where you're really in it, you know, the moments where you're like, okay, even if you are self-aware, you're like, this emotion is washing over me. I'm uncomfortable. I'm feeling awful. And like, I feel stuck in it. Like, what, what is the thing to do when that is happening? You know, I think that is something that comes up for most people at some point. And it's your body telling you that you are not safe in some way, right? So you're having that kind of physical reaction because you're releasing stress hormones and your body is telling you like, escape, you know, get out of this situation. So I, I would say pay attention to that and take a little bit of space. And I recognize that if you're in an office setting and you're in a meeting or whatever, you can't always just like leave that situation. It's not always realistic for people, but you can go to the bathroom for a few minutes. You can go get some water. So whatever way you can, I would say take a little bit of space. And this is kind of across the board, whether it's in a work situation or in a romantic relationship or with a friend or whatever, I think it can be translated across all of that. But to just take some time to calm your body down a little bit so that you can get back to 
some rational thought because when you're in that really heightened emotional state that's so overwhelming you know you're you're not going to be able to have a healthy conversation with someone you're not really going to be able to hear what people are saying you're not going to be able to respond in a healthy way so you know i think just take whatever space you can calm down a little bit calm your nervous system take a little bit of a break and return back to it when you feel capable of communicating in a way that, you know, will get your point across or get your needs met. One thing that I've noticed that I'd be so curious to get your opinion on is sometimes there are certain people or situations that kind of put me into more of a not good place. Like it's a certain personality type and then I won't be at my best or I'll have a hard time advocating for myself. And it can vary so much just based on the circumstances, whether it's what's happening around or that person's personality or their communication style. I'm curious if you have any perspective on why certain environments or people will cause someone to shrink and feel afraid and how they could work through that. You know, I think to some extent that is a little bit unavoidable because you don't match with everyone, right? So, you know, if you think about the people who you connect with in a friend capacity, you're not going to be best friends with all of them. And same thing in a work environment, you're not going to be best friends with everyone, you're going to feel different emotions around each person, you're going to feel some insecurities with some people, some triggers with some people, some irritation with some people. And again, I think it's a matter of just really being aware of who are you? What are you bringing into that space? So we're all triggered by stuff all the time. And it's either bringing something up that we're insecure about or, you know, something that's in our subconscious mind from the past that's being brought up by someone's actions or words or it hits on a nerve. So, you know, I think it's the same kind of stuff. It's working to get to a more confident space. And then also just sort of recognizing, you know what, not everybody has to be my best friend. Not everybody has to be the person that I'm going to go to. And maybe trying to find a little bit of common ground with people if you have to work with them, and there's no way out of that. Okay, how can I find some topic that I can communicate with this person on? Or, you know, where am I pulling away? Is there a way that I can dive into it a little bit more so that I'm not putting up a wall that creates more awkwardness or more discomfort? It's so crazy how we do these things without even realizing like there are a million things happening with our body language and how we're talking to people and we're sending so many signals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think also, you know, the the higher your self-worth and your self-esteem is, the less triggered you're going to be. So it always comes down to continuing to work on that stuff because it's not like you're never going to be affected by other people's words or behaviors or anything like that, but you'll be able to see it in a much more rational way. You won't take it so personally. So you'll be able to kind of step back and still be able to communicate and stay engaged, even if something doesn't feel really ideal. Absolutely. And I think that that is such a critical leadership skill. I think as as people progress in their careers, there's more responsibility, there's often more stress, and there are often more difficult interpersonal situations. And I think in the professional world, this is something that's really underemphasized, that is a skill that should be as valued as, you know, some of the more linear skills that get so much attention in the corporate environment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One thing that I'm curious about to the point that you made earlier, which is that when your sense of self is more solid, these situations tend to knock you back much less, although days are always hard. Everyone has hard days, but that stability can really help. And I'd be curious to hear what you might recommend to someone who is hearing this and recognizing like, okay, yeah, my self-confidence isn't where I want it to be. What can I do? Like, What's one or two steps that I can maybe start taking to unpack that and start to grow my sense of self-worth? 
In my opinion, communication is a big piece of that because, you know, the people who have higher self-esteem are communicating better. They are clearer, they're less emotional, they're not worried about saying what they need to say to people. So there's much less holding going on. And you know, the more a person is kind of holding on to their emotions, the the more they start to question themselves. So they don't feel good about themselves. They're holding back. They're embarrassed. They want to run away from a situation. So the more you can start to practice that in every area of life, you you start to kind of reinforce this trust muscle of, okay, it's it's safe. It's safe for me to say what I need to say. And that makes me feel better about myself. I know that I can trust that I can be my whole self with this person. So then I'm going to take that and practice that with the next person as well. I think that point that you mentioned about holding on to emotions is also really relevant for so many people, because I think just the combination of stress that can come up at work and and all of the things that can make work hard, that stuff I think can build. And I'm wondering if you have thoughts on healthy releases. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that stepping back when you're in a heightened state so that you're able to calm yourself down enough to get to a more rational place, I think physical exercise to release some of those hormones or any sort of physical movement is good. Talking about it is really good too. However, you know, it 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 becomes very popular for people to kind of bond over complaints and negativity. And people tend to look at that as like, oh, I'm venting and I'm getting it out or whatever. And that is needed. But if you are never addressing the issue directly with a person and then you're like, internally furious and, you know, sad and anxious and whatever else is going on. And you're just holding that and you're piling that up. And then you take it with you and you complain to someone else about it. It doesn't go away, you know? So let's say it's happening with your boss and you don't feel like it's really safe to let all of that stuff out with he or she. It's probably not, but there are some elements that are going to be safe. So you have to distill that stuff out a little bit and figure out, okay, is there a way for me to maybe write all of this stuff out and get really clear about what is actually bothering me when it's not layered with all this other stuff? And can I say that? Is there some way for me to say, hey, can I talk to you? I think I need a little bit more help with this thing. Or hey, I'm struggling with this, can we go over it again, or whatever it is, those are really gentle things that, you know, for the most part, people are going to respond really well to. But if you come to someone and you're like, I can't handle any of this, and I'm gonna leave, you know, I have to leave early, people don't respond well to that, right? (laughs) So it's, it's a matter of, you know, getting a little bit of clarity, which is hard, you know, none of this stuff is super easy. And probably none of us grew up in homes where we were all communicating really, really well, and we just know how to do it perfectly. So it really is a skill that has to be learned. I agree. And I think, you know, even though it can be hard in the moment to pause, and like you said, write it out and figure out what's going on. I know for me, there were so many times Where like if I had stopped and did what you just suggested and just said like what's really going on here, once I got to the bottom of it, there wasn't even a problem in the end. It was just, you know, I added meaning to something and then it spiraled in my head. And then when I really looked at what was happening, it was like, oh, I'm I'm missing a piece of information. (laughs) That's all that's happening here. And it sent me down this like this spiral of anxiety and frustration. Mm -hmm, Exactly, exactly. And I, you know, I think that happens for all of us at times. And it, it happens in every situation, whether it's work or with your partner or your parent or whatever, it happens all the time. One thing that's worked for me, and I, I don't know if this is something that people should do, but it has helped is 
it's very strange to admit this, but when I'm in the privacy of my own home, sometimes screaming and making weird sounds feels really good and helps me let go of a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, that's the, I mean, there's a, there's a type of therapy called core energetics. I don't know if you've heard it, but, but it's pretty much exactly that. They will basically have you hit like a huge foam cube and be screaming and swearing to take you out of an emotional collapse. So yeah, there, there's a lot of power in moving your body and moving those emotions out of your body and then taking some of that power back for yourself so that you're not just like completely falling apart in the emotion. That's so interesting, too, because I don't know tons of the science, uh, you know, about this, but emotions are based on chemical reactions and neurons firing. And so... Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure there's something going on there, but that's so cool to know that that's an actual thing. Yeah. So you, you already have it down. <laughs> well, I don't know. So it might, it might just be like out of desperation of like, oh gosh, like I, like I can't take it anymore. Like I need to do something. And I think, I don't know if this will help people, but I have moments where I don't even want to do something like that when I'm in the privacy of my apartment because I'm like self-judging and I'm being like, you weirdo, like you're going to like scream and quack and do these really strange things. And I'm like, wow, like I can't even be me around myself. I can't even do this thing in total privacy. And, and I think once I recognized that I was like, I have to do this, you know, I have to like, I have to push past this and like, give my heart and my body what it needs. And it's really powerful. Yeah, because I think, you know, instinctually, your body is telling you what you need. And the more we shame that or diagnose that or decide there's something wrong with it, the more we hold ourselves back. So, you know, what I tell people when they're coming to me, and they're telling me stuff like that, I'm like, great, great, you know, your your body knows what to do. And it's making you feel better. Do it. That's fantastic. Isn't it so amazing that your body already knows what to do? And, and it's so important to listen to that. Yeah, I think being disconnected from our bodies is very, very common, especially in like a lot of high performing professional environments where people are very focused on outputs and moving forward. I think a lot of people, the way they get through the day is through disconnection, caffeine and adrenaline and being in the opposite space. And it can be hard to get back to that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's a function of the time that we're living in as well, that I think people have really lost their way in terms of even knowing what it means to be really connected with themselves and with other people. It's a struggle. Yeah. And it's not, it's not encouraged like this self-awareness practice and honoring what we're experiencing and what we're feeling on a mental level and a physical level. It's not part of the professional dialogue, but it's so real for so many people. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. So before we go into the listener question, which I'm really excited to hear your answer to, I wanted to ask a little bit about what it's like to work with you, the types of clients that you see, and then we'll talk about where people can reach out to you if they're interested in getting in touch. So I see people for all kinds of issues. I see men and women individually, and I also see couples, although Uh, The majority of my clients are, you know, younger women. So really early 20s to late 30s. Those are most of my clients. And then a lot of times I will have people who come in to see me individually, and then they will also want to bring their partner in for a couple sessions, which I think can be really helpful just in practicing some of the communication tools. And I see people for all types of issues from, you know, anxiety and depression and perfectionism and low self-esteem to dating issues and communication issues, relationship issues, all of that kind of stuff. And I, what's a little bit different about my practice is that I don't really attach myself to a particular type of modality. So I have some 
you know, kind of traditional training. And then I also did this more alternative nutrition health training. And I kind of combined those in. And then I'm sort of always learning and picking up different things. So when people come to me, generally, initially, they want something that is a little bit more psychodynamic. So they're going to talk about past stuff or family stuff or whatever. And then depending on what's going on, they probably are going to want something that's more solution oriented, that's a little bit more behavioral. So I like to be able to just provide services to people based on where they're at, rather than solely attaching myself to a modality that is never going to work every session for every person. So that's just kind of how I work. And also, you know, I will ask people what they're eating and what they're drinking and what their lifestyle is and what their sleep is like and what their, you know, potential drug use is, whether it's prescription or otherwise. And, you know, do they have digestive issues? Because that's so correlated with emotional health. And, you know, are they constipated and dealing with something like that, because that holds people back a lot too. So I will kind of bring up and talk about everything. And obviously, I'm sensitive to, you know, issues that maybe people don't want to talk about or don't want to talk about initially, and that's fine too. But I generally find that people are so thrilled to be able to just like, say whatever they want to say and feel like, oh, okay, that's not weird. I thought that was weird. Now I don't think it's weird anymore. I can let go of that. And if people are interested in learning more about you or connecting with you, where should they go? Yeah, so they can go to my website, which is wellwithresha.com, or they can uh, email me and it's wellwithresha at gmail.com. Or they can connect with me through social media, and it's just at Well with Risha, and that's on Instagram, and I'm on Twitter as well. So I don't post tons, but if people want to connect with me on there, that's great. Perfect. And I will also put all of that in the show notes in case um, anyone wants to check it out down there, so no need to remember it. And now, if you're ready for it, I'm going to ask you the listener question. Sure. Okay, wonderful. So I'll read you the question and then I'm going to turn it over to you to talk with the listener and share your advice. So the listener asks, I find myself feeling very isolated and alone at work. I work in a very male-dominated industry and most of my coworkers are male. I sometimes feel like the only person who is more on the sensitive and empathetic side. And I find it difficult and draining to feel disconnected from my colleagues in this way. It's also difficult in that I absorb so much like a sponge, whereas almost everyone around me seems very cerebral and matter of fact. I'm struggling to find connection and just to feel at home in this environment. Do you have any advice on steps I can take in this area? Sincerely, the lone empath. Hmm. Yeah, so that's a tough one. Can feel super lonely. I get that. Um, I would encourage you to pick one or two people who seem easier to approach and maybe try to find some common ground with them. So, you know, it can be something super small like types of food you like or coffee or sneakers or, you know, just something random that you feel like you could connect on. Uh, It doesn't have to be something that's going to create a huge emotional bond in one day, but it's, it's an opening, right? Um, And the other thing is, I, I would say, you know, to try to remember that men also are human and have feelings and have empathy and that they want to connect just as much as we do, they may not display it in the same way or be quite as emotional in their connections. But the feelings and the sensitivity are there. You know, women tend to have these really emotionally intimate and intense relationships with each other, which is amazing, and so necessary. But you know, men, men benefit from those deep connections as well. And If you can think about building a really small foundation and growing it from there, 
there's, there's space for that. Maybe not everyone will be your best friend, but there's certainly space and room to grow from there. Um, and also, I think maybe it also makes sense to think about what you would want in your next job. And maybe even if you're successful in this with making some connections, maybe ultimately, you know, okay, I really want to be in a space where there are a lot of women. That's really important to me. So in my next job, I'm going to make sure that that's part of it. And the other thing I would just say, and, you know, I think that humans have a lot of empathy. And obviously, there there are varying degrees to this. And there are some people who don't, but that's another kind of a problem. But, you know, I think that this maybe is going to sound a little bit controversial, but sometimes when people are not in a really healthy space for themselves and they're not communicating well and they are really not happy and they're overly emotional, they they may tend to think of themselves as people who have more empathy because they are feeling more, they're suffering more, things are hurting more. And it's not to say that, you know, maybe they do have more empathy than the average person, but I think that there is some room in there to sort of say, like, why is this affecting me so much? And if I don't like that, is there anything that I can work on so that I'm not so affected by this? So that, you know, I I remain a person who has a lot of empathy, but I don't feel so overwhelmed with this all the time. Like, what is my role in that? And is it changeable if I want to change it? I think that's more of an empowering an empowering view also because you're you're moving things into your own hands and you're you're sol- you're solutioning based on a universe of potential solutions that you can control. Mhm. Super helpful. Thank you, Risha. And now I'm going to ask you the closing questions that I ask to every guest. The first one is about the title of the show. So the podcast is called The Art of Speaking Up. So I love to ask every guest what that means to them and why they think it's important. Yeah. And to me, speaking up is just so, so important. Obviously, as a therapist, I see people on the other end of that and the amount of pain that is with people when they don't speak up. And it's for you, for yourself. It's for people you surround yourself with. It's in the world. It's as an example to strangers and children and the people around you. So, you know, there's, there's so much holding of words and holding of emotions and holding of needs and feelings that we all do on a regular basis. And not only does it lead to emotional stagnation, but it also impacts people's physical health to be holding back all the time you know, speaking up is, is part of being authentic. It's part of being a human. You have a voice, you have words to use. And this comes in many forms. It doesn't mean you're commenting on anything and everything that you have an opinion on at all times, although it can be that if that's authentic for you. But it means really expressing yourself in a truly authentic way, whatever that may look like for you. And the final question is some context. I started this show because when I was in my early 20s and starting my career, I went through some tough times. I was very alone. I didn't really have any mentors back then. And I started this show so that I could speak to and support and empower any women that might be struggling in their careers and in their lives because our careers are so much a part of our lives. So I like to give you the floor to talk to women and to share any messages that you think might be helpful or empowering to anyone who might be working through some of those difficult times that I think we we all encountered in our 20s. I would say, you know, just keep going. Um, Life is filled with so many unexpected unexpected things. We make all kinds of plans and, you know, things don't always go the way we want them to. There's so much good. There's a lot of pain. People get overwhelmed and let ego and insecurity and low self-worth get so in the way. And I would just say, keep going that, 
you know, there's, there's always a way out. There's always a way to work on stuff. And it's just a process for all of us. And, you know, there isn't a single human, myself included, who has it all figured out. And I think when we stop putting people on pedestals and recognize that everyone is just trying to find their way and trying to figure it out, we're able to push through our own stuff to make sure that we can have a voice out there. You know, we're all really a work in progress and we don't need to pathologize our feelings and our pain. You know, there are people who really benefit from something like having a diagnosis and feel that it gives them a way to understand their symptoms and struggles. But I really encourage people to kind of step outside of that diagnostic box because I find that it can be a barrier to change. And if we decide that our feelings are pathological rather than just part of being a human and living a human experience, then I think we we get ourselves into trouble. So I think, you know, just for people to keep going and, you know, get some help where they can, get some support where they need it, connect with people, love each other, encourage each other. That's that's kind of what I would say to anyone. Thank you so much, Risha. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Risha. I hope you enjoyed it and I will put her contact information in the show notes in case you want to learn more about her work or get in touch with her. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode helpful, share it with a friend, maybe leave a rating or a review for the show. That helps me out so much and it means the world to me. And I also love hearing from you, whether you want to submit a listener question to be answered on the show Or if you want to send me some feedback on topics you'd like to see covered on the show, or maybe you have someone you know who you think would be an incredible guest for the show, I love hearing from you. So feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is at the art of speaking up. You can send me an email at jessica at the art of speaking up.com. I will put all of that information in the show notes. And I hope that you are having an incredible start to your 2019 an incredible day, an incredible week, and I'll catch you next week. Bye.